0: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to my basement. What's going on? What is popping? Uh, How is everybody over there that is listening? I'm always curious to know what you guys are listening when you listen to this podcast. Are you actually, I don't know, running in the treadmill? Are you in the car? Are you preparing the breakfast for your kids? I don't know. But the important part is that you guys are listening. And that for me means the world. Of course, for our production team that put this program Every two weeks it was so much effort and so much love. This is from Suarez Baseman, a podcast created especially for everybody out there who, like me, is very much in love with visual storytelling. And we have conversation with the experts in the communication, media, and the art. Thank you to WCNY PBS in Central New York, of course, for the partnership it's thanks to that partnership that we are able to be with you guys every two weeks today like every episode we have an expert in the house or in this case like I say in the basement uh we are going to be joined by John sora pure from London he is the cinematographer for one of my new favorite TV shows in Apple TV and of course I'm talking about maybe also your new favorite TV show Ted Lasso I can't wait he also I've been behind the cinematography for Inside Number Nine, which is also a fantastic show, and many others, not only shows, TV shows, but movies. And I think we're going to learn a lot from this conversation with John Sorapure. So thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you WCNY for the partnership. Let's start this new episode from Twitter Space Man right away. Here we go. John, I want to welcome you to my basement. It's such a pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you so much for taking the time.
1: Thank you, Francisco. Nice to see you.
0: Yeah, nice to see you too. So uh, you're in London. We are here. It's amazing how technology can allow us now to do these things. And it's fantastic. Uh-huh. I-, I will not be able to have the possibility to meet you and have this conversation if it's not because all this new technology that we're using.
1: Yeah, it's made the world a smaller place, hasn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, hmm. it's making it, yeah, it, that, that's a cool part, actually. I started this hmm. podcast from the basement of my house when, of course, pandemic hit as a way to keep myself uh, creatively busy, uh, but also to keep my students engaged, right, in this uh, universe of visual storytelling. And I, having you is, is such a pleasure because your work is such a... An amazing part of this visual storytelling universe. Um, tell me a little bit about your childhood in the sense that I always like to start with this question because I do think a lot of my students never see themselves reflected in people mm. that have getting into the industry and it's like, well, oh, you know, he's, he's there, I'm here, I'm in the low level, he's in the high level. However, we all start from a, from a point of, you know, for a, for a, a first place. What was the first place? When did you realize in some point in your childhood, in your teenage years, it's like, oh my God, this is what I want to do.
1: I think I was pretty young actually. And I wasn't super academic. I was quite, I sort of had dyslexia. And I think a lot of people who end up working in the visual arts tend to have that sort of, you know, psychological makeup slightly. Um, uh, but I, I was a little bit geeky. I love technology. Uh, I remember, you know, my parents getting a like a hi fi system, and then my dad got a stills camera, and that was it. I was I just needed to know how that worked, and and also I just just sort of started documenting and recording stuff with with the stills camera. Then I I got myself a little Super 8 camera, uh, and I started making my own little kind of action movies, blowing stuff up, and I think. You know, I, I always wanted and I knew I wanted to work in, in this sort of medium, but at the time it was so hard to figure out how you got there. You know, it was like um there were only like four TV stations in the UK, and it, it was like a moonshot trying trying to figure out how to how do you get yourself there. And I suppose I've been incredibly lucky in my career because as an industry it's exploded and and become you know a, a huge kind of industry uh with many more opportunities i mean it used to be like a closed shop here with the unions and you had to know somebody had you know you your parents had to work in the industry or something so it was, it was pretty tough to break in and i i think it's probably as hard then as it is now and i know it's hard for everybody mm-hmm. uh especially you know students who are studying it uh, to to kind of see how they may find their way in and i don't think there is any one way uh it's just sort of being uh fairly dogmatic and and just persistent uh uh, john
0: (laughs) what 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 is your love for cinematographer tell me tell me a little bit about your own personal connection with cinematography like like what excites you about the job that you um well
1: i think i mean i suppose i when i step back from it all uh I I just think it's an amazing kind of process and endeavor that that's so kind of such a big team effort, and you're all there to make something that you you know has then goes on and has a life of its own. I mean, I I, it's um, it's it's artistic, but it's also very logistical uh, and practical, and. I, I I guess I love the the dynamics of of the team you know how what we can achieve together in one day is is kind of remarkable um from from a kind of a from a personal point of view I love the planning the you know trying to think about how uh we might shoot a scene how we would light it just I I mean I I think probably uh um, gaffers get Fed up with me because I I really love all the different lamps. I know what they all are, and you know, sometimes you know I'll say I, I want you know this lamp rigged here like this, and it it's sort of, um, but that's kind of part for me. That's part of the process. I often do lighting plots for all the sets uh, and for all the locations, so so that when when we get there on the recce, the the you know the gaffer gets this. Uh, this is where that crane is for that lamp. Mm-hmm. And you know, mm-hmm. so it's, it, it's a kind of like a game of chess, really. You, it's, it really keeps your mind working. And then within that, you also have to be incredibly flexible and reactive because mm-hmm. the director might say, oh, go, you know, maybe we need to flip the whole scene around. It doesn't work blocking it this way. And then suddenly all the lamps are in the wrong place and you have to adapt. And so it's um and and again i go back to the team thing that collectively that's kind of what everyone has to do you need that kind of flexibility as well and right
0: and john i have a question for you uh we talk about cinematography we i'm very curious also to talk about camera operation and uh, so but if you could define in your own words almost like a dictionary type of definition what is a cinematography what is the job of a cinematographer? How how you will define it? Um, I'm well. I
1: think that the role of a cinematographer is really to try and realise the the director's ideas and visions, mm-hmm. and then broad, more broadly the scripts. You know, you, you're trying to bring an emotional um, interpretation of of what the script is through the visual medium through you know through the camera and camera placement but also for me especially through the lighting i mean that the the bit about cinematography that i really love and that i feel is probably mainly the domain of the cinematographer is is the lighting um a lot of the camera placement and angles is negotiated with the director and that that's that's very much uh, how how I like to work with the director is that you know they're, they're kind of trying to get the blocking and the uh, the pacing and everything of 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 what we're shooting. They tend to have less involvement in in the lighting.
0: Mm. Now
1: that's not a dictionary definition. I'm sorry, it's very long-winded, but um, I hope that sort of gives you some idea of where, you, where I'm. Could
0: at. you could you say that your work as a cinematographer is to be able to, I think it is very important to establish this. The, the director has a vision, uh, which is put together through, I guess, storyboards or, or concepts. And the cinematographer's work is to take that information and transcribe that information into what is in front of the lens. Mm. Uh, it, that could be a good way to put it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think it's
1: it, it is the kind of marrying the aesthetic with the technical as well. You know, the, I don't think uh, the director needs okay. to know, we, the directors don't need to know about F-stops or, or depth of field. I mean, a lot of directors will because they're very visually literate. But uh, if there's a director who's more interested in performance and and uh, the, the acting part, then I think, you know, the cinematographer needs to adapt to the director and, mm. and find that sort of... Um shorthand with them that 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 works. I mean I think the other interesting thing about cinematography is that it's at the very sharp end of the process. You know, a lot of the other decisions have been made in post in pre-production. So the designer, the costume, the makeup, all of this is is conversations that have happened before you've got the cast there and the first AD is saying action. You know, that that's where. I th- it's it's at the pointy end of it where mm. we're having to react uh to to what's happening in front of the camera um you know things things that you hadn't anticipated that and changes so I think it, it that's um I think that's why the the sort of relationship between cinematographer and director is 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 slightly different to the other heads of department mm.
0: and and that brings me to my next uh, uh question in the sense that what is our relationship? Because not only is it very interesting in cinematography for television, you've been working in both. You work for cinematography and camera operation for movies. And then you have been working, of course, we're going to talk about Ted Lasso. We can know is my favorite show. And I think it's a favorite show of a lot of the audience uh, for the podcast. Um, but it's different in the sense that for a movie, you have a director who is in charge of the entire Concept of uh, of the story. When uh, for television, you, you you tend to change directors, right? You have a director that come and, and maybe direct episode one and two, and then you have a different director. How that relationship work with directors on television uh, versus the relationship with directors when you're doing a movie? Mm. Wow, I, mean, I think there's a, there's a lot of
1: things there. that uh, first thing, sort of culturally, there's a slight difference between the UK and and US in terms of how um, the responsibility that a director will have. So here, uh, sometimes you'll have a director shoot uh, direct a whole series, and they will have complete kind of kind of creative control uh, in the edit suite and everything. It'll be it'll have much more authorship. Um, I I hadn't really worked very much on on American shows where you have a more uh, a showrunner approach um, until Ted Lasso. So it was really interesting to to, to sort of see how that that worked. Um, I think um, probably when when you have lots of different directors, uh, you're you're trying to be quite reactive. They, you know, they all come in with slightly different ideas. And it that's really refreshing you know you' sort of but there is also often a house style so you can't deviate too much from that mm-hmm. um I suppose uh it, it, I, th- I think in terms of long form you y- you're kind of um y- y- you know the, the for example Ted lasso, we have been more kind of reactive to the writer's room. So so they would be changing scripts as we went because they were watching cuts and and sort of it was a much more kind of organic process in a way than than perhaps what we used to here in the with with mm-hmm. kind of conventional television, um, uh, where you'd have a script and and it would never change, you know? And and then to contrast that with film, I think um film obviously you 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 have a much shorter time frame to tell your story and develop your characters. Um I, sometimes I think that's quite interesting. I, I mean I I kind of like the the discipline of of that kind of brevity of 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 you know having to um to tell to tell a story in a in a in a kind of hour and twenty, hour and thirty, two hours. Um and I, I think that they sometimes they uh, I, 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 until quite recently that I think long form has had a really interesting impact on on the kind of the medium it's it's like mm. a new a new format in a way where you can develop characters and uh over a much longer period of time
0: mm. yeah, it totally makes sense and of course the lasso when you read the script and you say, I want to be working in this. What do you, what is your first thought? And what do you think is making Ted Lasso so special and so popular? Um I think it's,
1: it, it sort of stands out because it, because of the content and the characters, they, they're, it's very positive. You know, there's an awful lot of kind of uh, negative drama. I, I, I think, um, you know, working in comedy, I've done a lot of comedy. It it it's um it tends to uh, the way you shoot it is very different. Um, it, it it's much more kind of dialogue led in terms of the story. But I think what was interesting about Ted Lasso was that uh, the producers really wanted for it to have a strong look as well. And so we uh, with with uh, the, my fellow cinematographer David Rom. Um, Looked at how we would start this off in the in the first series. There were a lot of discussions about lens choice and format. So we decided to shoot on the uh, Alexa uh, LF, the Mini LF, um, and w- which which immediately brought a kind of a, quite a strong look to the show. It meant that our depth of field was more shallow. Um, we could shoot closer and, and wider to characters, uh, but still have that nice fall off. And that that was kind of a conscious decision. Um, the other thing I was very keen to try and introduce was was some, was some when we were playing football with our characters, that they looked fantastic. And I really wanted to try and put the camera into places where it, it, it felt really dynamic. So um, the, the other kind of piece of kit that we bought to Ted Lasso, which I hadn't used much before, was the Ronin 2. Uh, and we were using that gimbal on a rickshaw dolly on, on a football pitch to kind of chase the, the the players around um and and i think that kind of low dynamic angle really helped because they were actors you know they weren't professional footballers but it was very important that we made them look fantastic as as premier league footballers um so so yeah that i think that was in terms of a cinematic approach has probably the 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 two kind of main things that we were doing there we 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 wanted it to look really nice and and hopefully we sort of oh it
0: does it does it looks fantastic but i get your point where we talk about cinematography when you watch the last one compared with certain episodes in inside number nine the light is everything i mean it's part of the story right uh so i think as a cinematographer I think a lot of students who are listening or a lot of listeners, we think, well, cinematography is that guy who is going to compose something very beautiful, very, very, you know, like It's well, not necessarily is about aesthetic. It's about, well, it is about aesthetic, but we we tend to confuse the idea that a cinematography is somebody that is going to produce this very artistic, beautiful shot when mm. it, it, it depends on what the show is. Right, so yeah. you cannot compare Ted Lasso with Inside Number Nine because they're totally different things. Mm-hmm.
1: And that's what's such fun about cinematography. I think you know you sort of you got this toolbox of different styles and genres and cameras and lights and 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 you you, you really it's infinite possibilities and no one cinematographer is going to do it the same way. You know, I mean, it, that's where the kind of artistic pick comes in. I think.
0: Yeah, of course. Tell me a little bit of, of your process. I'm very curious to know, for example, not only with the last of uh, other shows, uh, including movies, of course, uh, you have the posters of Paddington behind you, which is a fantastic movie um, that you were involved. Uh, how is your process as cinematographer? When did you start getting involved in the process? right from the beginning you read the script get you familiar with the, with the scenes or you just come when everything is more or less kind of set up how that work? how is your 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 step-by-step until you are in front of the camera
1: well it it does depend a lot on the budget normally <laughs> um the the more prep we have the the better the the more involved we are um, but typically, uh, I, I say on a, on a sort of a slightly lower budget UK television series, uh, I would probably come in um, maybe a week or two before um, tech reckeys, which is where we all go out to the locations. So the director will already have had some reckeys with the location manager and will have already cast it. And, and so a lot of that work is already done. Um and and probably very few conversations with the director about how it's going to look, and that is a little bit uh, you know sort of off to a flying start on on those kind of productions. When you get to a sort of a slightly bigger budget, where where we you know cinematographer is brought on a little earlier, um, then then yeah, we we we'll, I will sit down with the director and we'll look at references. We'll talk about movies that that we like um we'll maybe look at specific scenes we'll um i i like to um to involve the director in camera testing where we might um you know decide what camera package we're going to use and what lenses uh just recent, just before christmas i did a um a, a, a film with Guillermo Moreles who who's one of the inside number nine directors and um, and you know we we decided together what well, that we would shoot anamorphic and and we decided together what our show LUT was going to be um so i, I you know i i think it's it's great to have those conversations early with the director and and to it, it, it always the more prep you can do the better the shoot's going to go
0: A visual storytelling is one of the most difficult things to accomplish you need to have so many components been in the process of of this make believe I always say to my students, uh you should learn this phrase, you are in the business of make believe, of make us believe whatever is in front of that screen is real. And if any of those components fail, uh you take me out of that belief, uh and then we lost, we lose the the the, the interest in the in the show or in the in the movie. So cinematography for me is one of the most important aspects of that make believe. Right. like you say the light is important is this is going to look airy or it's going to look more like a moonlight that's coming from the window how how we can manipulate the light and the and the and the concepts in order to create a sense of reality and that for me is is fascinating this is really it's an art and and you definitely accomplish that <laughs> Thank you. No, you're welcome. So just to close and, and to say goodbye, um, what else do you think uh, the future storytellers should know that is important when they go into this industry and they maybe want to pursue the career of uh, uh, becoming a cinematographer?
1: I think I touched on it earlier about um, just being open to, to all of the possibilities um when when you're starting out i i think also there are no rules about visually you know you you that there, there are rules but they're there to be broken you you can evolve your own style and and so many you know there are so many brilliant young cinematographers coming out um now who who just kind of i i don't know i, I look at their work and i think How how did they get to be so good? Uh, So you know, uh, it's taken me years to to kind of figure stuff out that they're doing. Um, So yeah, I mean, kind of within the the confines of the industry and the necessity to kind of earn a living, if you could try and maintain some of your creative spark—the thing that you know gets you um, excited—and and sort of remain true to that. Mm. I, I, that's probably my advice and i i think that's the thing you kind of have to navigate through your career a bit is is um then it's it's choosing projects that interest you and excite you and um being brave and experiment mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. i do appreciate that and 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 again john thank you so much for taking the time i i know how busy you are but is all about the power of educating and being able to inform our, our audience that we do these, you know, uh, podcasts is to really have this type of conversation. So we appreciate very much your time. Just have two questions before we go, taking the uh, opportunity here. Uh, one is, it seems to me that the path between cinematographer and becoming a director seems quite close together right it makes sense well I, I know how to operate a camera and very good sense of uh how to frame a uh, 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 a beautiful shot is that something that normally happens that cinematographer suddenly become a director or is not normally the case
1: i think it's it's slightly less common um often um uh, Funny enough, I know quite a few editors who have become directors, and 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 that's a you know it's a great place to learn the craft of directing is is in the edit suite. Um, I suppose what what I'm doing is quite specifically second unit, and um, a lot of second unit directors are uh, action you know, stunt coordinators. That that's a kind of traditional route into um, second unit directing. Um, I think my because I've done a lot of visual effects work um, on on movies like um, Paddington and, and and little Mermaid, that that that, that is another kind of um, route in so I'm, I'm I've come in on quite a technical mm. um, directing role there for, for those for those films um, So yeah I, mean, I, I I think I don't know a lot of DPs who direct uh to mm. be honest mm. that's that's probably just just me i i, I maybe the because they don't really want to you know right. it, it, it's already such an interesting um sort of form of self expression that that it, it, it perhaps there's not too many people want to do it
0: mm. Mm. and for movies like pa- uh, Paddington which you are working with a character that is not there uh, mm. is that a different approach when we talk about cinematography like the- I'm assuming it would be quite complicated to understand. Okay, I'm, I'm shooting these this jungle or this uh bathtub, or but the character is not there. So how how that work? Well, you you have um references uh
1: there with you. So there's the, a thing called a stuffy, which is a kind of uh exactly the same size as Paddington, and it looks like him, uh, and it has fur on it. So you'll you'll kind of shoot a, a pass with a puppeteer. Um where the camera, where you know what the camera is going to do to in, within that the sequence, but often the, those sequences have already been planned, and and we call it a tech viz. Where um, the 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 company that's doing animation for the bear will say, okay, this this you know this is an animatic or or tech viz of how, of what the bear is going to do in the scene, because it's so expensive to animate. Um, A character like that that you you need to be quite economical about what you're shooting you know you need to know the durations of each shot and so on so um yeah and then then you would shoot a pass without anything there where the camera would just repeat the same movement uh and then they'll they'll kind of animate the bear within that space and and there's a lot of other reference material they need from it they'll they'll sort of scan the set and they'll do um, it, uh, a mirrored ball which will capture all the lighting reference um, it's, it can be quite laborious you know one, one single shot uh, is probably a component that has maybe six or seven different passes and components for it wow. and then you sometimes get into motion control uh, where you're repeating a shot and, uh, with, within all of that very technical process though I think it's it's so important to hang on to the the drama of the scene as well. I mean, you know, it, it's you—you you really need to evoke what's going on with Pennington at that moment. I remember the a scene in um, where he's um, locked in a in a, his prison cell in uh, Paddington Two, and I, I got really emotional about it It was—it was, it was it, there was this sort of a beam of light, moonlight coming in through his cell, and you know, this little tiny bear sort of. With a tear rolling down his cheek, and and it, the lighting and everything about that space had to evoke that drama and that, right. even though there was nothing there, you know you can't lose that um, that that essential bit of the storytelling visually. That that you know, yes, Thank <laughs> you
0: so much. Uh, anytime you come to New York, please. Uh, this is your your house, your home. Mi casa es su casa. And uh, and yeah, thank you for the time. It was a lovely, lovely conversation.
1: Thank you, Francisco. Well, likewise, come to London one day.